as like a person that didn't like criticism I was like oh my god like I just failed school that's it <laughs> I can never be a makeup artist but now being on sets I'm like thank god for my teachers that like really made me have a Welcome back to Working For It. I'm Savannah, and I'm a film makeup artist. And I'm Sarah, and I'm an illustrator. And this is a podcast all about navigating the creative space and the industry as young professionals. (laughs) I wish there was video because YouTube videos, like, you can have some emotion. It's like all, it's all dependent on what we say. (laughs) On our audio. I know. I know. I'm stoked. I, guys, I'm hoping that when I move to the same state where like we can record in person, we really want to do some uh, episodes on YouTube too. Cause I think that'd be so fun. I'm just stoked to be able to record in person. Mm -hmm. Same. I think it'll be so much fun. We can have our little coffee, our little tea. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I want to do a car cast. I think that'd be so fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, how's, um, how's it been going for you? How's your quarantine going? I feel you like know? that's the question that's we always like, ask, but <laughs> that's the only question to ask lately. I, I did makeup today, and I did a big old face paint, and then I put makeup in my hair and on my ears, and then I was like, nah, I won't wash it off before I FaceTime or I get on a call with Sarah. Uh, so now I have white water paint in my hair. I feel that. Yeah. I did the Getty at home challenge for one of my finals for school. So I was covered in grayscale paint and like glue and tissues. And I still, no joke, have a patch of like black (laughs) face paint on my knee. I don't know how it got there. Because I guess I like, I had glue on my hand and then I touched my knee and then I had paint on my hand and then I touched my knee. So the paint got glued to my knee. It's been a while. I've taken like a lot of showers since then and it still will not come (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have face paint like in my ears for days. But it was worth it. (laughs) It was worth it, you guys. Do art at all. (laughs) The moral of this story. Sarah and I, you guys, have watched <laughs> so many shows. Oh like, if I have any, like, indication of how my quarantine is going, just look at the show I'm watching. Like, because we started out quarantine strong with Love is Blind. And we were really like, yeah, this is great. People just, like, don't know each other and then meet each other and have to live together. Great idea. Incredible. <laughs> we watched it probably the second week of quarantine. Then... We moved on to Outer Banks, I think. Didn't we watch something before that? Yes, we did. Oh, Glow Up. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so we watched all of Glow Up, season one. So we watched um, Love is Blind in probably a week, like an episode a day, maybe two a day. Then we moved on to Glow Up, where we watched Glow Up over a weekend, like a Thursday to a Sunday. And then we moved on to Outer Banks, which if you haven't seen Outer Banks, let me tell you, it's my new little women. I love it. (laughs) It's great. It's so entertaining. It's like a treasure hunt (laughs) show. You don't never know where it's going. It's incredible. Uh, We watched Outer Banks in like three days. Mm. Mm. Then we moved on to Never Have I Ever, which is a Netflix (laughs) show by Mindy Kaling. And that one really was like an earworm. Like it got in my brain and I just didn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And we watched that and not even 24 hours went by. Like we watched the entire show over Netflix party. And now we're on to 
re-watching The Haunting of Hill House, which mm-hmm. we're actually like powering through. We're on episode seven again. Yeah. A cinematic, like cinematically beautiful, story beautiful. Oh, very sad. So one of very my all-time scary. favorite shows. Yeah. Yeah. But we're on our way to watching every show on Netflix. Yeah. Before quarantine. Yeah. I I told Savannah that I <laughs> I watched um high school musical the musical the series mm-hmm. in about two days <laughs> that was one of those shows that I never thought I would be watching yeah so I watched high school musical when I was like six mm-hmm. like it was five or six yeah because it came out in what 2006 yeah yeah so, so I watched it so long ago mm-hmm. I I rewatched the second one more than I rewatched the first one really yeah it's like one of my deep-seated childhood memories yeah. I had the DVD and when I was in elementary school, my mom had this Honda Pilot with a TV in the back. And so we had like only a couple DVDs in the car at a time. So it was always High School Musical 2 and then various Charlie Browns. So <laughs> I would just rewatch High School Musical 2. Incredible. We had the like Disney of the Month Club. So we would get like all the Disney things. I'm pr- I'm- oh my God, that's so fun. I know. Well, we only got to keep some of them. But for yeah. like a while, we were so... In our, we had portable DVD players, so we would put Disney Disney of the oh, Month. Fun. But High School Musical 2, a classic. Troy Bolton, Zac mm-hmm. Efron in that field. We love it. There's very few movie franchises where I'm like, the sequel's better than the original. And um, that would be High School Musical 2 and The Princess Diaries 2. Ooh, that's an that's incredible because I stand Chris Pine. Princess Diaries, though, that whole series beautiful i watched it recently and i was like wow this has the same feeling it did when i was six years old like i literally still want to be mia thermopolis Mm -hmm. and have julie andrews be my grandma i love those movies so much like those are some of my favorite movies that came out of young disney same because they don't get worse as i get older i still love them yeah Yeah. julie andrews really does no wrong though she mm-hmm, is truly she is just a, a national treasure she is a queen in my heart she is the queen of genovia absolutely and if yeah. you meet julie andrews she's like a queen she is her own queen like regardless of who she is playing she's yeah she's a goddess yeah also anne hathaway looks exactly the same as she did in that movie and i want to know what witchcraft is going on i love anne hathaway she Me too. is so funny she's one of did you <laughs> I saw this clip on Twitter where Anne Hathaway said <laughs> she was on James Corden and he was like, what's your favorite romance movie? And she was like, Gone Girl. And Gone Girl is like not a romance. Have you read really? Gone Girl? No, I haven't. Gone-, <laughs> Gone Girl is about this girl that like goes missing and the <laughs> audience was like dead silent. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's the kind of stuff I would pull if I'm a famous person. Like, yeah. gotta give them like the deadpan answers because no one really knows how because she's a <laughs> megastar. No one really knew how to take that. She was like, that's my favorite romance movie romance. where um a woman goes missing. <laughs> I love her. I feel like she's one of those people that people hate just for no reason. Do people hate Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Ugh uncultured have they ever seen one of her movies devil wears prada literally any of the like les mis like i don't know who hates <laughs> we, we went in two very different <laughs> different ways i haven't seen les mis <gasps> i have seen devil wears prada probably 15 times because that yes. is incredible i watched the movie because of you and i love that movie so good i yep. could, that's my comfort movie if i ever need to watch a movie it's devil wears prada oh yeah yeah um we've got to get you to watch les mis though it's so i good. know 
Yeah. I know. I know Anne Hathaway, she like really went for that role. Oh yeah. Her performance yeah. is insane. I think she won an Oscar. Did she win an Oscar for that? Probably. Nominated so. for one. She better. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Okay. We should get to what we <laughs> yes. topic is. Today we just wanted to have some fun with this episode um, and just talk about all the mistakes that <laughs> we've made and all the funny stories we have because we're like baby baby professionals like we're not trying to sit up here and be like this is how you break into the industry and this is all the right things that you have to do and impart our wisdom onto you yeah um, because we're just like figuring it out and so we wanted to just take an episode to talk about all the times we haven't figured it out I love hearing people's like mess up stories I think not even like some of mine aren't even mess ups they're just things where I was like uh what is happening because <laughs> yeah as Sarah said like I'm the new I'm so still very new in my profession and I've only yeah. been doing it for three years which is I mean in the grand scheme of things of people that have done it since 1970 like 1970s yeah. have done it for 50 years I'm like I don't know anything right now like and you're even I feel like further along than I am because you're like already done with your school whereas I'm yeah just like working on I'm unpublished at the moment I'm in school like we're both yeah. just like figuring it out we're just living our lives yeah. so yeah this is just like a little episode to be like hey no one really knows what they're doing truly no. like we're all just faking it till you make it if you take anything from this just fake it till you make it absolutely no one really knows what you're doing and everyone else thinks they're going to fail anyway. Mm -hmm. Like everyone has puts that pressure on themselves. Totally. So I, I feel like I made a lot of my mistakes in school. I was in school for makeup and for hair. I'm also a hairstylist. Um, and I went to two separate schools. One's a makeup only school and one's a hair cosmetology school. Um, and I feel like I got a lot of my like big, like mistakes out of the way some of them I'm not gonna mm -hmm. say a lot that's a long shot um I just like got kind of like you learn how to do things and to not do things um which is really cool to have mm -hmm. that opportunity for school but now when I think back to school I'm like oh you're Savannah what were you doing <laughs> <laughs> like I met one of my best friends in school and she is the she's incredible I love her love her to death talk about her all the time but she has this thing where she compares people to animals like she'll just be like you look like a lizard today and I'll be like what <laughs> well, hello <laughs> and so we were working on each other we're both perfectionist type a types of gals and so we were both just like low-key miserable that we were doing this one project that was so easy that it was like difficult and I think it was a maybe a monochrome look or something similar I remember like just doing this like I over and over on her again and then I just like gave up and I was like just put me in your chair and do my makeup and so then she gave me these like blue triangles like all over my lips and then she was like you look like a shark and I was like <laughs> I was like what and she was like yeah like a fish I was like okay thank you and then I distinctly remember turning to my other friend who was across the classroom being like Ellie she just called me a shark. Can you believe that? <laughs> and to this day, like three years later, the, my friend Natalie texted me for my birthday and she was like, um, thanks for letting me call you a shark for three years. And I was like, that's so wholesome. Thanks. So that was like the first time I remember being like, oh, this makeup is what? Oh, that's so fun. I know I have 
I have like f- stories. I've been doing art forever. It feels like I started doing art when I was like eight was my first time I was in art lessons. Yeah. Well, I did like, you know, the like YMCA yeah. type art lessons in elementary school. And then I did private art lessons in, when I was like eight. And so <laughs> I just have <laughs> been, it's just been a long road of like making mistakes. Cause not only was I like learning a new skill, but I was a child. You didn't just start oil painting at eight years old. <laughs> no, <laughs> I remember, um, so I was in private art lessons where I learned to draw and learn to paint. And I was doing this portrait of Selena Gomez. Incredible. I was like 10 and I was obsessed with Wizards of Waverly Place. So I was doing this portrait of Selena Gomez and my art teacher, her name is Farnadis Nylander. She's an, an incredible abstract artist. Uh, but I remember she was teaching me how to draw a face for the first time because this was like the first like portrait I had yeah. done. Oh, Selena Gomez, you just like went for the home run. I found it recently. It looks nothing like Selena Gomez. It looks a little bit if, like Christina Grimmy. If but you have a picture of that, you better take a picture. I'll put it on the if put I can it on find the Instagram. It. Yeah, yes. I'll put it on the Instagram post that's associated with this episode. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find will, it. That's so good. Oh <laughs> my gosh. But I remember she was like, okay, the way you draw a nose is you start with like a ball for the tip of your nose and then you draw like the line around it or whatever I don't remember what it was and then that summer I went back to YMCA type art lessons with a friend and we did ceramics oh yeah yeah. we were building these masks and I was like I thought I was all that and I was like I know how to do the nose (laughs) and my teacher was just like okay I was like no but I know how to do it and she was like okay You're like, no, listen, you start with a ball on the, yeah. t- the tip of your nose. But I knew how to draw a nose. Yeah. Whereas I was in a ceramics class where she was going to teach us how to like build a nose. Yeah. And so everybody else had these like 3D noses coming from their masks. And I just like, you're just a circle. <laughs> I just like drew mine on like it was a Picasso painting. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny you know that teacher was like sure sure <laughs> try hard 10 year old you were that you were that kid I was that kid that's so funny oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's just a Picasso nose it was like because the face is front view but I knew how to draw a nose from the side and so literally looked like I was trying to be a Picasso oh it was so bad oh my god I think that's the biggest thing I learned in school I literally am like I would be like, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing this. And I would just like do it. And then my teacher would come over and be like, no, I get that being like, well, I know how to do that. And then your teacher's oh, like, yeah. well, do you? Yeah. Do you? Uh, I thought I was like all that because I was taking private art lessons. So I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. But I'm both ways. No You're idea. like, um, I can sculpt a nose. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Bye bye. Oh my. That's like, um, so if you don't know we're cousins like Sarah's my cousin um so our grandma I would always be like grandma here and she'd be like what is that like and she was she was always the nicest but she would be I would like try to give her art lessons I would try to teach her art I would paint her face (laughs) like I have a picture of me painting grandma's face when I'm like three years old like painting it as a clown (gasps) and it's so funny and I like that's the picture when I'm like I was a makeup artist. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's where that's where it all started. But grandma would always be like, sure, I don't care. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Just she would just like lay there. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, okay. I remember way before I was even like in art lessons when I was probably like four. Yeah. I stayed at my aunt's house a lot because my mom and dad both worked because kindergarten gets out so early. So I would go home, spend half the day at my aunt's house and then my mom would pick me up. And so while I was at my aunt's house, we like colored a lot together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember, I think I told you this, Sav, but um, I made this comic book, which is so indicative of me now trying to be like a graphic novelist, but I made, I had this Hello Kitty sticker pack and I made, oh yes, I made a comic, a comic strip, I guess, out of these like Hello Kitty stickers and it was this whole, I don't know, like, I remember sitting at this little plastic table drawing (laughs) these stick figure, Hello Kitty figures, and I would just stick all the different characters on. And I drew this whole storyline where they were on like a runaway train and there was this troll that they were fighting against. That's so cute. All I remember is the last slide is when they finally like stop the train and thwart the troll's plans i drew it's just a stick figure troll with this round (laughs) round head with like just two dots and a frown and then i drew ears that were huge and they were like had steam coming out of them because he was so angry (laughs) that's so cute oh my god a little weird but no you're an artist you knew what you were doing (laughs) you had a vision I really did. <laughs> the episode is just going to turn out to how do we get our start, which mm-hmm. I'm fine with. Me too. Um, <laughs> one time I made, um, we had quiet time at my house like every day. Yeah. And so I had like an an eyeshadow and like a lip gloss and like a how lipstick. How old are you? I don't know, probably six. Mm-hmm. And I like crushed them all up and made my own powder, like palette. <laughs> I like clearly I remember it was like purple and shimmery and I just like ground it up and it smelled exactly like clay like I don't know what it was what kind of makeup like a little kid makeup it was but then I like crushed it up and like mixed it together and then put it like in a new container and then I like smeared it on like my little pony dolls so they all got like on their faces yeah so oh my gosh that's iconic yeah this uh, segment got away from us because we were just like talking about stories. Do you have like one, not mistake, but like one thing that happened that you learned from? Um, yes. It's not yeah. as like entertaining. So I learned a lot from my like senior year and my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. I had chronic migraines like mm-hmm. the whole time. I had chronic migraines the whole second half of high school. And like the first half of my um, freshman year of college, I just was like always absent Mm -hmm. and like always missing school and always behind on deadlines and just like perpetually behind. I have learned that I have this like self-internalized thought pattern that Mm -hmm. I'm like always late all the time that I'm always forgetful. Mm -hmm. And so being in school and having that actually happen where I would get like really behind And then I would get really nervous that I was so behind. It would make me procrastinate even more because I was like, I'm so overwhelmed with the sheer amount of work I have to do that I just can't even do it. Totally. I failed a class. I didn't fail it, but I didn't get a passing grade for my major. Like if it wasn't in my major, I would have passed. But because I needed it for my major, I didn't. Yeah. And it was kind of through that that I just realized like, it's not the end of the world. I think I was so afraid 
of being forgetful and of procrastinating and missing deadlines that I was holding myself back even more. Mm-hmm. But just having that happen um, and still having people believe in me. I think in that I just learned to a trust myself more because now I feel like I know I know my tendencies, so it's easier for me to get myself back on track. Yeah. Um, but also be that it's not the end of the world. Like yeah. have some grace, you know. It's true. It's true. No, all of mine are like very similar. I'm just, yeah, I think the big lesson is like uh taking it you can dwell on something. I think in film, especially, um, I'm a film makeup artist. I work on sets a lot. And so you have to have a very thick skin, not because people are like intentionally malicious, but because people are on a time frame and there's like no room to like mince words or be like, well, um, mm, e, uh. like you just have to be like, nope, didn't work. Like I got to tell you it didn't work. And so I think that, um, being in school, like with makeup artists that had worked in the industry, I like went in as an 18 year old and I was like, oh, you guys are really mean. What's happening? <laughs> like, I remember coming home from class one day my, and my instructor, love her, literally love her so much, but she's like, she'll tell you how it is. And my first probably week of school, she, we were doing smoky eyes and I had like, a girl that just her eyes were hard to do smoky eye on and my teacher was like yeah it didn't work like it just didn't work I was in shock because I had never had a teacher be so honest like yeah or um so blunt yeah blunt which as like a person that didn't like criticism I was like oh my god like I just failed school that's it (laughs) I can never be makeup artist but now being on sets I'm like thank god for my teachers that like really made me have a thick skin and be like yep got it cool I will go fix that because if I had not learned that or like not accepted that that's just how you have to be like you have to be able to take criticism of your work and you Mm -hmm. have to be able to be like yeah look I get it (laughs) I don't like it either or um take suggestion is like the number one thing that's like helped me get where I am because people like can get very offended if over someone oh yeah you know just not not dissing but like critiquing their work and so I think that's the big thing I remember I told my teacher I thought you were so mean you were so scary and she was like what and I was like (laughs) not now like now you're I love you but in the first (laughs) week I was scared of you so whenever I like make a mistake or like don't know something just you gotta let it roll off your back oh absolutely yeah there's a a similar experience I think a lot of people who go into art school get really scared of critique yeah because critiques are like this big thing in art school yeah for anyone who doesn't know it's like when um the project is done Mm -hmm. everybody like puts it up on the wall or lines it up all at once and then everybody goes around and talks about what they like and don't like about it my teacher in high school was really awesome because he would do critiques for us which I know a lot of high school art classes don't do that Mm -hmm. but it really helped me learn early on how to take criticism because especially like with high schoolers people are people can be kind of mean they'll just be like I don't like that or like I I did this painting once and someone was like it's just simple and to me in my like sophomore brain I was like that's the worst criticism you could give me right <laughs> yeah, now yeah. you call this painting that I labored over simple but like I get it it was simple and it doesn't mean it's bad and I think that's also the thing is like especially when now that I'm in college mm-hmm. 
and I do critiques all the time because in every single class we do critique. You really learn how to wade through what you agree with and what you don't. Yeah. That I think was the biggest thing to learn, especially when um, you're creating art as like just your personal work. You're not mm-hmm. creating it for anybody else. You're not accountable to anybody else. So yeah. if if you like something and somebody else doesn't, you're not obligated to listen to them. Yeah. But I think it's still nice to know. Mm-hmm. It's like I crave critique now. I yeah. love hearing what people don't like about my work because it sheds a new perspective on um, the way that I see it. Yeah. It just it was a matter of like learning to balance. Okay. Yes, I agree with that and I want to fix it. Or I hear what you're saying, but I think I'm going to leave it how it is. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because like, especially with art, you can be like, yeah, it was supposed to be simple because it means this and mm-hmm. this and this. And like, that's why it's quote unquote, yeah. like simple or it, same with makeup where you're like, well, it's not simple, but it's clean or, you know, yeah. it's just like a, a difference of um, what the way you look at it, but it is like good to, I do like critique. Critique is like very good for me because it just, I think it's, I mean, it's good for everyone, but it just helps you like focus on what you need to improve on, which is great. Like who doesn't want to improve? Yeah. I know a lot of people who are like terrified of critiques or they get really anxious. And I think you just have to learn not to, not to take them personally. Like, yeah. It's not about you and nobody's trying, hopefully nobody's trying to hurt your feelings. Like yeah, everybody's just out here working and working towards the same thing. And they're probably giving you feedback um, because they want to hear feedback about themselves too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like, I feel bad whenever I hear someone is like having an, uh, an anxiety attack over critiques. I've seen on Twitter, like a lot of young artists are like really scared to go into yeah. college, but um. I think it's, if you can learn that to look at it like a helpful thing, critique is like, oh, it's, I love it. Like I said, it's like one of the most important tools, I feel like. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I used to be so afraid of critique. When I got into makeup school, I had like just graduated high school. I was like a top, like all A student. So I, I didn't get I got critique, but it was like never yeah. anything super intense. And I was in mock trial, which gives critique, but again, like nothing that's personal. Like it's not ever about what you like created. Mm-hmm. And so being in makeup school, I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, like it's it's art, but there is a, a guideline. Yeah, as an 18-year-old, I was like, critique, what? You're going to tell yes. me why? What? You're telling me that it's wrong? And yeah. then <laughs> like now I'm like, hey how did I do like I love feedback in any way so yeah I this is a tiny bit of a tangent but go I felt that way too because I was I was a gate kid which I don't know if that's everywhere I don't know if it's just a California thing or if that's like a United States public school thing but gate was this program in elementary school um for like quote-unquote gifted kids oh is it like gifted and talented education got you yeah yeah so I was in that and then I was in like the accelerated courses in middle school I was Mm -hmm. in honors and APs in high school and so I grew up this is something I hear a lot of my kids my age talk about Mm -hmm. because I grew up with this idea that like I was special yeah and like I, I do think to some extent everyone should always think that there's something special about them because I think that that helps you drive like bettering yourself. But 
I grew up thinking that school came really easy to me and that I was just really good at it. And then when I got older and the classes got harder and I started, um, you know, getting my migraines and being absent more often. And I realized I didn't have good study skills or I didn't have good time management. That's what I'm thinking Mm. of. Yeah. And so when things got harder, I was like, I don't deserve to be here. Like Mm -hmm. I, I was in this AP class in my junior year, I think. And one of my really good friends, um, was in that class with me and she was like this phenomenal student. She was, she's so smart. I love her to death. She was like in the robotics club. She took five APs our junior year. She got fives on every single test she took. Oh my gosh. She was crazy. And it was, it felt like school came so easily to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think, yeah, it did because she's smart, but also I think she just had really good time management. Here I have this friend who is like everything I thought I was going to grow up to be and me like who scrambled to study the night before the test and is like terrified I'm going to get lower than a 75. Yeah. I So I really dealt with that like, I guess that's imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think it is imposter syndrome though because it's like imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which one has doubts, one's accomplishments one doubts one's accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as like a fraud. So it's basically like you're afraid that someone's going to come and be like, hey, you what? Like you're not supposed to be an AP or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I, I always felt that way. I was not necessarily like a legit visualization of like somebody's going to march in my classroom and say, hey, you can't be here. But I was always like, I didn't want to share my my test scores unless they were up to a certain standard. I felt incompetent in comparison to like some of my other friends who were very STEM oriented or or very quick to pick things up. Yeah. And I specifically remember kind of realizing that I had this imposter syndrome when I crashed my car. So I got my license kind of late. I was either 17 or 18. I think I might have been 18. I got it really late. I just had no interest in driving. And I, I, so I remember this, I got my license in August of my junior year or like the summer after my junior year. Mm -hmm. So then I started driving myself to school senior year. And this happened in probably September. So I'd only had my license for like a month, maybe a month and a half. I was late to school. Um, and so I was driving around the parking lot panicking because there was no parking. Parking gets easier at, in public schools, I find, the later in the year, but this was still very much in the beginning. I wasn't used to this parking lot and I didn't know when it filled up by. Yeah. So I couldn't find a parking spot and I was panicking because I knew my first class took roll um, and I didn't want to be tardy. So I finally found this spot and it was a corner spot, but the way my parking lot was laid out it's outdoors and so there were these big concrete poles and so there was one right at the corner of this parking spot it was like just past the line but it was like right in the bottom left corner the car parked in the spot next to me so on the other side of the pole was really really close to the line because they were really small spots Mm -hmm. and if one person got messed up then it would kind of shift everybody over so this car was like on the line and then there was this pole in the corner and I was trying to park and I wasn't that good at parking yet and I was 
terrified that I was going to hit this car. I was like, I cannot hit this car. I don't want to deal with that. I'm late for school. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like have to leave a note and have to pay somebody else's insurance to fix their car. It's just going to be a nightmare. And so I was trying so, so hard to pull into the spot without hitting this car that I wasn't paying enough attention to the other side of my car. And I just crunched the side of my car into this big, massive concrete pole. Oh no. It was like, oh, I just remember my heart sinking. I was trying to back out of it, but my car was so in there that every time I moved, it just like, it wasn't getting out. And my car was actually stuck. And I had to call my dad and have him drive to school and get my car out and drive it home. And I remember feeling like I'm such a screw up. Imposter syndrome really like came to a head for me in that moment because I was like, I shouldn't be allowed to drive. I'm not responsible. Like I, I screwed this up. My parents are going to be so mad at me Mm -hmm. or like, I was terrified that people around me were going to see. There was this girl, I don't want to say her name, so I won't say the nickname that they gave her, but the year before me did the same thing and they gave her a nickname. Oh (laughs) no. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. It was oh, like a no. It wasn't anything like bad or inappropriate, but it was like a pun. Yeah, like, crash. And so, uh, I was like terrified that I was gonna get labeled like that. And I had always been kind of like, what's the word? There weren't that many people at my school that I felt really got bullied. Mm-hmm. Everyone was pretty. I don't know. I'm sure some people got bullied, but everyone in my experience was pretty kind, mm-hmm. um, or at least like respectful. I'd never gone to school feeling like, oh, people are going to whisper about me in the hallway or or whatever. I think especially because my, like my mom's a teacher. So a lot of people knew my mom. A lot of people had known me since I was little, but that day I was terrified to walk in school because I was convinced that like everybody had seen me crash my car and everybody was going to be talking about it. And I worked myself up into such like a frenzy that I didn't even go to my first class. I went to the guidance counselor. Oh no. First time ever. I was like, I just need, I just need help. I just need someone to talk to. And I just kept saying, like, I just feel like I'm such a screw up. And she was like, you're not like, that's not true. Um, I don't know. Imposter syndrome runs deep. Like I definitely agree. Do you think it like, for me, it got easier when I was an adult. I think a teenager's like, it's already so judgy. Do you think it got better? Like as you're a career person now? A hundred percent. And I think also college has been so wonderful in the sense that like I get to go to a school and do classes that are geared towards what I'm good at or what I'm interested in. So I don't have to take science really anymore. And if I do, I I don't have to take it as seriously as I did in high school. Like it's not like I was trying to pass an AP chem test or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um my classes are genuinely things that I love. And also I think college, the culture is so different because in in high school, at least for me, it seemed like everybody was trying to act like they were really good at the subjects they were doing, or they would just act like they didn't care and yeah. would fail and whatever. In college, like at least my group of friends have been so supportive of each other. Like my roommate is was really good at our math class. Mm-hmm. And so if I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, she would be like, oh, absolutely, I'll help you or I'll send you the notes I took. And that helped me get better and remember like, oh yeah, I, I used to like math. Like yeah. I used to be good at math. So I think just everything about it got better. Like yeah. being more stable in myself, in my identity as an adult. Yeah. 
helped it, but also the just the change of the culture. Oh, absolutely. Especially I think you start to like see the world differently when you're not in mm-hmm. high school and like the veil of like I everyone cares what, what I'm doing when like in college or in like the professional world. Everyone's just out for themselves. Not in a bad way, but everyone is just yes caring about their own mistakes, even if they're mm-hmm. not making them obvious to anyone else, you know? Yeah. And I think also like uh, when I got into college, I started, if I ever felt like people were looking at me in any sort of way that was like, you shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. It made me want to prove that I was supposed to be here even more, mm-hmm. especially because now these were subjects that I love. I have this <laughs> one experience. I don't want to talk about it like too specifically, but um, I was in, I went to this one open studio. So a lot of the studios at least on my campus, are open like 24-7. And I was working on a personal project, which from my understanding, I was allowed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I brought some friends with me because it was a weekend. There was like nobody in the studio. There were maybe three other kids there. And we went all the way into the back corner. And I brought my own materials so that I didn't have to use any of the studio's materials because, I don't know, I was afraid that I was going to take something away from somebody else. And so I brought everything I needed like from my home. Yeah. But I brought my friends with me so that they could hang out with me, which is also allowed. But this uh, woman who worked in the department came up to me and asked me what I was doing, Mm -hmm. like in a very confrontational tone. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just working. She was like, whose class are you in? It caught me off guard because I'm not good with confrontation and I didn't expect anybody to have an issue with me being there. And so I like stumbled and couldn't remember my professor's name for a second, which I'm sure made me look guilty. Like I was sneaking in. Yeah. But I could tell this department is very small. It's not overly popular. And so I could tell she was the type of, um, authority figure where she probably felt like she knew everyone in the department Mm -hmm. And this was my first time taking a class in this department this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she didn't know who I was. And I think she thought that I was, I don't know. I don't know what she thought that I was breaking in or Mm -hmm. that I was not supposed to be there. I don't know. But um, she was just very confrontational about why I was there, who my friends were, what they were doing. She was like, well, if anybody else comes in, can your friends move? And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. I'm like, I'm, yeah. am I not supposed to be here? I'm so sorry. And she was just like, no, well, like this class has a final tomorrow. So like, they're going to need these spots. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course. I'm so sorry. But keep in mind, there was one other person in this side of the studio. There was more than enough room. Um, and it really caught me off guard. It made me feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Oh, she's right. But then I went home and I was like, no, I'm paying just as much for this studio as anybody else is. Truly. I'm not doing anything wrong. Even if I'm not supposed to be working on personal work, there was more than enough studio space for everybody else. And I brought my own materials. So I wasn't taking anything away except a seat. And it was not in high demand. So that then made me go to my class the next time with even more desire to prove that I was serious about this class. And I never saw that woman again. Like she wasn't my professor, but still I just, I wanted to prove to even my other students that had been in this program longer than me that I could be there and I deserve to be there. And yeah. That's, I mean, I think a lot of people like 
not in that specific scenario, but like they use like that to fuel their fire of like, no, I'm going to be the best I can be in this. And so that's like, I mean, it's good to harness that and take it that way as opposed to being like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be here. So I, I love that. I find like a lot of, if I ever feel like that, going and like learning more, like ingesting more information, like helps me break out of that. There's no better way to like secure your spot where you're supposed to be than like having all the information. Yeah. Researching. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have one story of um, not imposter syndrome, but like. Yeah, go for it. Um, I like went into school and I was like, I hate film. Like I'm never going to work in film. This is <laughs> so boring. You do the same thing every day. Like, ugh. And so <laughs> I like graduated school and thought that's I I knew that that was an an option, but it wasn't my first choice. But my first ever job was a feature film. My old teacher like called me and was like, hey, I need an assistant for this last week of reshoots. Like, can you come? It's all overnight. It's going to be really exciting. It's really cool. I think you should come. So I went onto the set. I was 19, maybe. Yeah, I had like just turned 19. I had never been on a movie set before. This was what I had been working for, but not like subconsciously because I didn't know I wanted to work in film. Mm -hmm. For weeks, I was like researching all the lingo, all the things because I was (laughs) like, I can't let them know it's my first time on set. Like that's not allowed. So I knew all the lingo. I met with this, um, the key makeup artist or the head makeup artist before. So I could be like, tell me person by, I I asked for like a person by person breakdown. I was like, (laughs) tell me what they do and who they are. And so I studied it every day, every day. And I read my notes from school, all of my stuff. And then I went on set and it was great. I like learned, picked up things quickly and I, I was doing my thing and I had my old teacher from school, which was great. I had her. Then the third day, she gets a phone call and she's like, oh my God, like I'm having a family emergency. I have to go fly home. <gasps> and I was like, I'm so sorry. What? What? <laughs> and it was just me and her for the entire week. Like there was no one else slated to be in. And she was like, yep, I got to go. I'm so sorry to leave you like this, but you can do it. And that was <gasps> the first day I remember like she left halfway through that night and I, I didn't outwardly at all freak out but internally I was like oh my god this is insanity I have never I'm just in charge now (laughs) and so it was during lunch when she left so I like took my food I vividly remember this I took my food and everyone in the cast and the crew were much older than me some of them were from LA some of them were like notable actors and actresses and I I like took my food and I went and sat on my makeup chair and I like called my mom because I was a child and I still call my mom like that but I was like eating my food and I was like mom I'm in charge I don't know what to do and she was like well you're in charge you got to do it and so I hung up the phone and I like put in four phone calls to other makeup artist people that I had graduated with and I just like was in charge of this movie makeup trailer and it was the best way I could have ever imagined going in and like being on set yeah. because I skipped every single hurdle I would have had in like in 
my mind of being like, well, you've never done this before Mm -hmm. went out the window when she was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to go (laughs) because there's nothing. You can't be like, I don't know what I'm doing. You have to just be like, yep, I got it. Uh Uh-huh. Every time I think about being on set or um, starting my career as a makeup artist, I think back to that moment because there was a million hurdles that I would have had if I, if I had kind of gradually worked up to being in that position, but because I was shut, like just ushered into that position with no warning was kind Mm -hmm. of the best way to like kick that baby bird out of her nest. It was only the first half of the day I was, or the last half of that one day, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then I went home and it was the middle of the night. Like I didn't know anyone else there. I didn't know anyone. I was by myself, like uh, just in the middle of nowhere. And I went home and I slept and I woke up and I was like, I'm in charge of a movie trailer. Um, I think if there's ever like an example of just like going for it, that's the example. Like you just got to go for it. Yeah, that's incredible. It's like there's no time for imposter syndrome. There's And there was no time for me to even like falter because it was so quick and everyone was moving in such synchronicity. I just automatically... I it's one of the the amazing things about a movie set is everyone kind of uh, you get on and you know that you're there for the same purpose like there is a collective teamwork effort like hard work effort that makes it so much easier because you know what you're there to do and so I think that there was no yeah what like you said there was literally no time for me to be like I don't know what I'm doing but internally I was like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Externally, you got to be like, cool. See you yeah. tomorrow with some fake blood that I'm going to go make right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's my favorite story of ever just like going for it because that's how I got started and wouldn't be where I am today without it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a crazy, it's a crazy world, but I think it just shows that You just sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. If you can take anything from this, just take any bit of like not knowing what you're doing and research it so you know what you're doing. And even if you feel like you don't, you do. Yes. And like go for it because everyone else is thinking the exact same thing you are of like, yeah, I don't know how I got here because (laughs) it's like some fluke, but it's not because if you put in your work and you put in your effort, you're meant to be where you're gonna be absolutely I feel like that's a good note to wrap up on Wait, I want to hear your other stories it's more of a funny story and I feel like we ended on such a good note that like uh, maybe I'll save it for another part. yeah just save it or we can do it on like a separate yeah I feel like this is when we could do a part two too totally I think we could bring people on and be like yeah, tell us your crazy stories yeah oh there is something I do want to say um so there's I'm obsessed with TED Talks. I love a good mm-hmm. TED Talk. But I recently, like literally three days ago, was watching a TED Talk on imposter syndrome. So it's um, Mike Cannon Brooks. But it was like an incredible story because he was like, yeah, I, I run a million, multi-million dollar company. And I sit in boardrooms and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he said, I would write words down that I, they, like that people in suits use that I didn't know. And I would w- look them up on Wikipedia. So oh, that's awesome. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. 
in that same vein, I do really want to recommend this workbook. It's absolutely not sponsored. It's just something that I truly love with my whole heart. It's the No Mistakes workbook from Keiko Agena. She's an actress. She was in 13 Reasons Why, but I know her as Lane from Gilmore Girls because I love Gilmore Girls. Yes. But she came out with this workbook. Um, it's called No Mistakes, a perfect workbook for imperfect artists. And it's amazing. It's just got all these different um, activities that you can do, all these different quotes and mantras and things. It's truly phenomenal. I recommend it to all my friends who are artists. Um, it opens up with this really wonderful message about getting back to your roots as like a kid, being carefree with your art, getting out of that perfectionist mindset. It's just really awesome. So if you're at all struggling with imposter syndrome or perfectionism, um, definitely check out this workbook or things along that vein because just doing exercises and like implementing things into your routine like watching TED talks that talk about it just really gets your brain like aware of those thought patterns yeah and this workbook I also have this workbook um so nice because it has like you said not only prompts but it also kind of helps you unlock like why you kind of need to feel yes. perfect in your art, which is a great, you know, it helps kind of break that cycle, which yeah, we love. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for listening. If you guys want to check out our recommendations or the picture of Sarah's first <laughs> portrait, Selena Gomez, any of those things will be on our Instagram, which is at Working For It Podcast, or our Twitter, which is Working For It Pod. I, we would love to hear your take oh my gosh this. yes please tweet me your stories or email mm -hmm. share your stories with us we'd really love to read them so you can email them at workingforitpodcast at gmail.com yeah and other than that we will see you next week thanks for hanging out with us yeah thank you okay bye All right, bye